0: One of the things that we've learned is that high-quality feedback is specific, so it's about a particular situation, it's actionable, what can you try to do differently or continue doing, and it's timely, so it's as close as possible to the event that occurred.
1: I think a huge part of feedback is empathy. One aspect is you deliver the feedback, and there's another aspect of can you inspire change and so it's not that hard to dump the information out but it's much harder to present information in a way that people are open to it take it and run with it hello and welcome to the
2: styles free podcast i'm your host brett liebowitz today we have the co-founders of grow with us ryan sidnor and richard hill they're actually mba and cs students at cornell tech with me And they are competing for startup awards soon, trying to get this company off the ground and rolling. Welcome, guys. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having us. Cool. So what is Grow? People get a little basis of what you guys are working on.
0: Grow is the platform for personal growth, and we're trying to align team success with personal growth through honest, continuous, and actionable feedback. And we're meeting people where they're already communicating today, and so we're available on the Slack app store, and we allow people to exchange within Slack this structured feedback that helps each person understand their strengths, understand their weaknesses, and helps them grow. Yeah. So
1: like Ryan mentioned, we're building a platform that integrates into the communication tools that teams use every day. So our MVP, we launched on Slack at the end of January this year. So just about over three months, we got a little lucky. They featured us as a new and noteworthy app and it just blew up. And we're super excited about this initial traction that we're seeing Take a look at the stats last night. I think we have over 200 teams that have installed it. That accounts for about 35,000 people, and we're also across 35 countries. We're seeing all this feedback being shared in like Chinese, Dutch, and Korean. We're like, we hope they're saying good stuff. We, we don't know.
2: <laughs> Why is your product super important for companies, and what type of points do you focus on?
1: One thing that we've really centered on is that the annual performance review is kind of a universally traumatic experience. People aren't very happy, right? So you have all these problems where you have a recency bias. So at the end, it's only the work you've done in the last month that matters. People don't feel like the feedback they're getting is genuine. Something we really centered on is that in these kind of formal feedback situations, the feedback that is being fed into these systems is often really watered down. The people who are capable of giving you high quality feedback are usually the people who care about you and like you. And then when they know that that feedback's going directly to your manager, it can affect your compensation, it can affect your career trajectory they're not going to say anything that could hurt your career. Hopefully. Uh, yeah, hopefully, <laughs> if they like you, right? Yeah. And especially there's this whole thing where, well, I don't know what other people are saying. And so everything kind of just mellows out, tones down a bit. And what you get at the end of the day, a lot of the times for people is, oh, you're doing a good job, period. Right. Right. And then you're kind of confused about why you got a mediocre raise. There isn't a lot of content in there. There isn't a lot of action. People are asking for feedback. People want to know what they can do better. And here at Grow, we've kind of centered on maybe the path to that isn't through doubling down on formal feedback. It isn't go 360 every quarter nonstop, but maybe moving some of this feedback to private channels, giving people ownership over their feedback so that, When the feedback is given between feedback and receiver, it's private between them. Then it's up to the receiver what they then want to share with their manager.
2: So you kind of want to change the whole paradigm from being this one-time yearly review that happens between managers and is more of a professional setting that is tied to other stuff. So people don't have the right incentives in order to be completely honest to help you grow and get better at what you're doing. So you're trying to make it more of a private channel. So that's interesting. I didn't realize that part of it. And then just focus more on the improvement side of things. I want to kind of break down a few points in there about personal feedback. One of the most interesting parts is we're talking about annual reviews, Mm -hmm. right? So right now, a lot of companies, you get reviewed and feedback for one time. Mm -hmm. So you guys want to be kind of more consistent with that than like a one-time review platform?
0: There's... Both a strength and a weakness here. Because it's annual or maybe biannual or even quarterly in some cases, the strength there is that it's still scheduled. And so you know there's a particular cadence. Mm -hmm. One of the weaknesses of informal feedback, that type you might have coming at you at lunch with a peer or like at the water water cooler. cooler is that it does tend to be honest. So it doesn't suffer from the like, oh, your manager can see this reserved nature, but it's totally irregular. So it's not scheduled. It's fragmented. It could be a water cooler or launch or IM and everybody has their own style. And so what we're trying to do is blend these two paradigms. So you get this data ownership and honesty component of informal feedback, but the structure and regularity of formal feedback. To answer your direct question in terms of the frequency, the term we've used is continuous. Continuous. That doesn't literally mean every second of the day, but it means at intervals that are, I suppose, timely. So one of the things that we've learned is that high quality feedback is specific. So it's about a particular situation. It's actionable. What can you try to do differently or continue doing? And it's timely. So it's as close as possible to the event that occurred as you can make it. And that's something that if there's an all-hands meeting that's weekly or if there's a feature release that's monthly or something like that, bring the feedback as close to that as possible instead of waiting until the end of the year.
2: That makes sense. Yeah, kind of more of in line with how startups work. Iterate quickly, keep building. You want to get feedback after each iteration so you know how to make the next iteration better. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And also, yeah, what you guys saying? Like, if there's an annual review, it's like course evaluations in my head. We're we're at school right now. Where it's okay, tell us everything that was good or bad about this course, but you don't write down as like this was bad today or this was good today, right? Right. So it's more of when things happen. You guys want to be able to have people improve upon those things and not just be forgotten about, or people just fill this out at whatever time they're asked to do it in order to just get through. Yeah,
0: there's an interesting mental model I have for this, which is. The shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And so if you have a particular goal in mind, so let's take the product development example. So you have a goal in mind of I want to build a product that accomplishes a certain goal, but the whole philosophy of agile is be iterative because you run an experiment. So you don't know if you're headed exactly towards that goal. So maybe you head a little bit off and then you get feedback from a user and you zig and then you get feedback from a user and you zag. And we view ourselves similarly to that. So we have these goals that we want to accomplish and we're not walking straight lines towards those goals. And so each time we receive a piece of feedback, it's a zig and a zag. And the more frequently you zig and zag, the straighter your line gets. Interesting. Okay.
2: So your line's zigzagging, but it ends up only zigzagging a little bit to be more straight as opposed to just going off on one direction then back in on one direction after a long period of time. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. I like what you were saying about user feedback too, because that also fits in with startup life where you want feedback from your users. You want to know what's the best product you're building. Like how do we improve your life? So it's now being focused kind of internally to companies being like, how do we improve the life happiness productivity of employees?
1: Yeah, I mean, a kind of funny anecdote is when we first, you know, started working on grow. It was very student focused, just kind of our experience coming from the workplace, getting a ton of feedback. And then going to grad school is just like, silence right you know professors aren't giving feedback students aren't giving each other feedback one of our first pitches we just started with this story of so imagine you're a grad student who's pitching a startup idea and you like pitch it to your friend and and then they say like sounds pretty cool you know I have some friends who might like that but that honestly means, like, I don't like your idea, and I don't think anybody <laughs> would ever use nice. it. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't use that, but maybe some of my friends would, is the equivalent of, I think this is a terrible idea, but <laughs> I right. don't want to hurt your feelings. <laughs> right? right? Yeah. we did a, a ton of research into this space. I mean, me personally, I had about four years of management experience before coming to grad school. But we also have sat down with a bunch of leadership coaches here in New York, interviews with our fellow students, There was kind of two really interesting insights. One is that the people who request feedback get way more of it. It's sending that signal like, hey, I want feedback. I'm open to it really reduces the barrier because I think all of us have kind of been in this situation where we have feedback to give someone. We might even draft it. And then we're like, yeah, I don't want to like make this awkward. Right. Like, I don't know if they're open to it.
2: Yeah, that's something I've learned is that if you're going to give someone feedback, it definitely helps like, hey, do you want feedback on Mm -hmm. this? If they say no, then fine. I'm upset about this. I don't want feedback right now. Maybe later. But there is times where it's like, okay, I do want to improve. And I think in general, you kind of want at least certain companies want this always learning person versus constantly wants to get better. And that's a good quality. And in a workforce, people that are working on stuff that they want feedback, they want to get better, that they can take constructive feedback, because it's not just constructive feedback, right? You want to know what you're doing, right? And say, mm-hmm. like, keep doing things like this. What you guys were saying before, actionable items, right? This doesn't help to say, no, that wasn't good. You need to say, okay, this part wasn't good. This part was good. And here's ways to improve. take like a sports background after games you film everything and you you watch film you have to understand okay that block was bad like I Mm -hmm. I messed up here and you can iterate on that and make it better the next time around that definitely helps to improve yourself knowing what you did wrong and what you can do better and what you're doing well
1: what you said for in-person feedback I think that's a big pro tip is to say can I give you feedback on that Because you give them the chance to say like yes, and that makes a huge difference for how receptive they are, rather than just launching straight into it. Right, it's kind of it's like that like uh, animal instinct (laughs) backpedal, like all your like fear and belonging and self worth are on the line, right? Right. Instead of getting defensive
2: about it, you Mm -hmm. opened yourself up, you allowed yourself to be vulnerable and accept this feedback instead of like locking up, like no, I don't want this right now grows the personal relationship, too, right? The Mm -hmm. trust that you need in someone to have them give feedback and accept their feedback as good or bad. Because it can be the other side. There's the one side you guys were talking about where, like, yeah, that was a good product, good job, when they don't really know it. Mild positive.
1: What'd you say? Mild positive. Mild
2: positive, interesting. And then there's the other side of it where you go okay thanks for that feedback right you know you can do the same thing to them like not accepting yeah, it but just right. being nice about it mm-hmm. so it's good mm-hmm. to have the the conversation open and have people able to talk to each other and figure stuff out how to improve it's not that's what's also weird things are tied with bonuses and all this stuff and you guys are trying to move away from just this personal incentives or professional incentives, but actually get to the root and get to people talking with each other to improve themselves without having to worry about how do they look for their job.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. I think there's something interesting that that you mentioned, which is we think that it can actually help you build relationships. This was the second point. Richard said there were two insights that we had, and one of them was people who request get more feedback. The other one was about actually building relationships. And so what we see is that for people who exchange these small, more frequent pieces of feedback, Feedback with one another, they spark conversations, they get to know one another better, and that deepens their relationship.
1: The funny way I think about that second insight is that usually you have to test the waters, right? You have to give them like a small piece of negative feedback and see if they just blow up, right? And it's only once you've kind of established that trust they're receptive, they're open, they're not super affronted. Then you're like, "All right, well, here's the actual like meat of core things you're doing wrong." Right? But until you have that sample small interaction, it doesn't really
0: happen. There's another really interesting kind of meta point about these two insights is Often when you read about feedback, people will give advice on how do I give good feedback or how do I receive feedback well? And we have these two insights which are focused on different ends of the spectrum. So one is for people who request, they get more. That's the receiver. Hey, I'm open. On the alternative side is the person who is giving these small, more frequent pieces of feedback. And so that's for the giver. It is a two way street. It's a conversation at the end of the day. And so like marrying those two. So the person who is requesting a lot with the person who is giving a lot tends to build like a really high performing team
2: also, yeah, you have a team, different people have different inputs of what they see as good or bad. So you can get everyone in on that. It's not just your manager giving you feedback, who's mm-hmm. probably a little bit separated from what you're doing, as opposed to your peers who see every day interacting with you, exactly what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Then you get a bunch of different inputs from a bunch of different people, and you're giving your input. So it's much more cohesive if everyone can get on that same page. It's all about those different blind spots. Exactly. You said your stuff is continuous. I think something that makes your company very interesting is you're using these new technologies that a lot of startups and companies are using. Right now, you guys are based as a Slack plugin.
0: We're coining this grow in the flow. And the concept here is that you don't have to switch out of what you're already doing. And so Slack is priding itself as a platform of, quote, where work happens. I think that's their tagline. Mm We agree. And so we're in Slack all the time. And rather than switch out to a website where you have to give feedback, you can just do it right from Slack. And so this is... Part of our core kind of ethos as a product where we're on Slack now and we're planning to expand, but that expansion isn't necessarily into a standalone web application. That's into Microsoft Teams and Google Hangouts and Skype for Business and these other communication channels so we can meet people where they're already working. The other interesting component about Continuous So one, you don't have to switch out of what you're already doing. And two, we've done a lot of research into behavioral economics. Mm -hmm. And so there's the rational human and then there's the actual human and this concept of your ideal self. And so it's one thing to be listening to this podcast right now and be like, oh, feedback sounds cool. Like I should totally do (laughs) that. I'm going to go do it right now. And then the podcast ends and like your laundry's done and then you forget. (laughs) And so that's the the challenge that we've been addressing through behavioral economics, this concept of nudging. There's certainly annoying nudges in the world, like spam mail. And then there's um, nudges that actually can help motivate you. Mm -hmm. And they motivate you by reminding you like, hey, this is something that you wanted to do. This is really important for these reasons. Here's a concrete step you can take right now. And so we've been working with a professor here at Cornell Tech of behavioral economics on building some of these nudges into our application. And they've been super successful so far. And it's kind of cool when we nudge people like it works and they're happy about it.
2: What's an example or a few examples of some nudges you guys are using?
1: The most simple one is just kind of called pre-commitment. So we'll ping someone on Monday and just say, hey, do you want to set a goal for yourself to try and give or request three pieces of feedback this week? And they just opt in, and then we'll give them progress updates in the middle of the week. Because Monday is a pretty crazy day (laughs) for most people. Setting that commitment, you start looking for it, right? Right. You start looking for opportunities to give feedback, framing, you know, more of your workday activities in terms of, oh, maybe I should request feedback around this. We're really seeing good engagement on that one. Another nudge we're doing is like my favorite one, calling it a feedback sprint. Basically, we gather you and your closest friends or your team into a channel. And at the beginning of the week, each person on that channel is going to say, hey, this week I really want to work on X skill. So I really want to work on my public speaking. I really want to work on my time management, my leadership. And so that's kind of like getting into that request flow. I think daily we send them an update like Richard is looking for feedback on public speaking. He's gotten one out of three help him go there and meet his goal that daily summary really drives your peers to give you more feedback
2: yeah it goes into what we were talking about before that the people are now open to the feedback you have Mm -hmm. them on monday say yes i want feedback and then it's their idea right now they think that they want the feedback they're ready for it and then they have this goal in the back of their mind that they want to get this feedback. And then they're open to when that feedback comes in or in that other setting, your favorite one, where mm-hmm. they're in the group already. That yeah. They're ready for that feedback. They want it. They want to improve They They're like, excited about it at that point.
1: I think it makes a big difference for them to say that they're looking for feedback on a specific skill. It definitely frames it as more collaborative because... I think otherwise you run into this risk of it's an open door policy and I'm always open (laughs) to feedback, period, but it's hand wavy, right? Versus picking a skill involves a certain amount of vulnerability. You're admitting that you can improve and you want to improve versus I want feedback, period, isn't much of a admission
2: right it's now not exactly tied with your bonus and stuff so you're not mm-hmm. nervous about it and yeah. want it to want to fudge it a little bit mm-hmm. you're honest and you're trying to get just better mm-hmm. without any real consequences to it
1: At my first job the first couple of feedback i got was positive and then i got a lot of negative feedback <laughs> after that and it was all raw <laughs> really? it was like all factually raw <laughs> but that was a good lesson for me i think because it was still helpful for me to know that people had a bad perception, right? right? Or an incorrect perception. And it was better for them to share that with me than for them to hold that and for me not to have the opportunity to fix that. Trying to invite as much feedback as possible and getting those data points, right? Because then you have the power to do something with that.
2: Definitely. I think there's two really interesting points within what you just said. One, that you need a mix of good and bad feedback. I've had in jobs where I've only gotten bad feedback from a certain person. It's yeah. like, you're not looking at the good job I'm doing in this certain sure. area. Sure. This is delayed feedback. So it's like, I already resolved this with the person I had it with, and now I'm getting this after the fact. There's theories of shit sandwiches. Here's some positive feedback, some yeah. shit, some negative <laughs> feedback in the middle, and then some more positive feedback. Because then the people respect your feedback more, because they see that you're looking at all angles, and they're, you're not just shitting on them. You got got the good parts of the sandwich in there. Yeah, and the perception of feedback. That's Mm -hmm. very important where... Okay, even if you're not doing anything wrong, you still need to be perceived well, Mm -hmm. tied to your bonus, tied to you being a good employee and people thinking you're good. What do I need to do to get my perception better? Even if you're actually still doing the same work, how do you show people? How do you have demonstrable things say, hey, I'm doing this right, even if you don't think I am. And then you can change that. You don't have to wait a year for that.
1: This is my opinion and not necessarily Gro's opinion, but I feel like this is one of the number one millennial problems. People want to be recognized for just the quality of the work they do, and that's it. And they don't want to explain the work they do. I did good work. Isn't that good enough? No, it's not. If Nobody
0: knows about it. I believe it's a chapter title in the book, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. And it's about product development and sales. And the title is, if you build it, will they come? (laughs) Uh, And it's like, no, they won't because they won't know about it. And I think it's a really similar concept to this.
2: That makes sense. Yeah, a lot of it's in marketing, right? Even to the internal level, you have to market yourself. You have to show that you're doing good work as well. That yeah, if you build a great product that no one uses, no one knows about, how, how that's not a great product anymore.
0: Yeah, and to me this comes back to building relationships where this feedback exchange can be the catalyst to help build a better relationship. Whereas if you don't have this catalyst in the first place, if, you know, Richard never knew that there's this perception problem, you wouldn't have the opportunity to build a relationship and Mm -hmm. to fix things. Zooming out even more, there's this short-term versus long-term trade-off with giving feedback, where had Richard not received this feedback in the long-term, He wouldn't have changed, and then he would have been considered a low performer or been on a performance improvement plan or something. And because whoever was nice enough to give him this (laughs) constructive criticism was open with him, he had the opportunity to change. And so there's this short-term, oh, this feels like crap. This is hard to do. This is hard to receive. Mm -hmm. But we're going to do something constructive with it instead of just letting it fester.
2: You want to get the constructive feedback when it happens, so you can adjust it, whether it's you actually need to do better or the perception of it needs to be better, as opposed to no one says anything, and then you get hit all at once with everything at your bonus (laughs) or something like that. Uh, That makes a lot of sense. A lot of trade-offs between short-term and long-term. Actionable items.
0: What makes it good? What are your guys' thoughts on actually having things actionable? There's a high-level thought that I have here, and then there's what we're doing in grow. And so the high-level thought, as I mentioned earlier, is that high-quality feedback is specific, timely, and actionable. And if you, as a feedback receiver, agree with the person giving you feedback on what to do, you're building a shared reality, a mutual understanding of this is what was happening before, this is what it's going to take to change it, and that's going to lead us to a better outcome that we're both happy with. Grow facilitates actionable feedback in two ways. So one is through the structure on our platform. We prompt people who give feedback to say, here's what I think you might be able to try differently next time. We also, because of the structure, can help people understand what they might be able to do differently. So a receiver of feedback, let's say I receive feedback about public speaking, Grow can recommend, oh, here's a cool podcast about public speaking, or here's a TED Talk. Here's a mentor in your organization who's really great at public speaking based on the feedback they've received. Or if you don't feel comfortable talking to somebody internally, you know, here's an external resource like a coach who can help you learn how to speak better.
2: That's interesting because you're providing kind of this database of feedback material, and you guys can in turn get feedback of is this good information. I was like a data place for companies because we're moving more and more toward data is extremely important and yep. getting the right data and database of stuff. So you guys can grow this prime database for how do people get better, and you can do it for specific jobs or specific companies. Figure out. Exactly. Using this internet, using this flow of work, sort of continuous model to figure out how do people get better in general and how do we move forward with this sort of technology that is in the past has been once a year or they know it's important, but there's so much qualitative versus quantitative stuff on there that it's unclear what actually works and what doesn't.
0: Yeah, I think this is a cool opportunity for us to pursue learning and growth rather than conventional performance management functionality. So as a platform, rather than figuring out how to tie in with your payroll system, we can figure out how do we recommend the best resources for you to continue your growth journey. And I think to your point about data, we can certainly imagine a world where it's like, okay, here's the number one resource that your team used. Here's what your company uses. And here's what the world at large uses to grow along these dimensions. And I think there's a really cool opportunity for us there.
2: Definitely. Especially... We're talking about the wider scale of world size and you're talking about the internal company that we have our own internal resources. Basically, every company, especially after a certain size, has their own wiki or database of... Resources that they have that you can help people find stuff faster too. It's not just feedback or maybe it could be feedback oriented but here's this quick piece of information that we found for you that matches exactly like other people have seen this information and helped them before using this sort of model of what was wrong.
0: Yep, that's exactly right. That's one direction that we're trying to move in because we think there's a lot of value that is within those documents and sometimes they're hard to find or sometimes you don't remember to go look there. Sometimes you don't remember they exist and so by being in the flow of work and, and prompting people at the right time to go check this stuff out, we think there's a lot of opportunity there.
2: Something I wanted to ask about a few minutes ago is you're saying people are giving feedback and if we agree that this is good feedback for myself, then it's a good way to move forward. How do you see if I'm getting feedback and I don't agree with the feedback?
1: I mean, for we like hopping straight in, into Grow, I guess, just straight from the UI, we have some quick reactions where you have a thumbs up, heart, but more in-depth we definitely give you a quick way to send a message back as well as we have a button that says schedule time to discuss this further nine times out of 10. It's not the end of the conversation. And that's really what we view it as is providing a platform that sparks those conversations and begins the back and forth because it's not like, here's that one thing you were doing wrong. And once you fix that, that's it, right? It's definitely an iterative process.
2: Right. And if someone put themselves out there to tell you this, there's probably a little bit more that you can gain from doing it in person, but it just sparks it. Like you're saying, it's the initial
1: beginning to get this conversation going. We've been trying this thing where we rotate different hint texts for the people who are giving feedback. And in some of these have been the insights we've gathered from our own experiences and leadership coaches But we definitely encourage people to phrase their feedback as, hey, this is a data point. I'm not saying this is the hard, absolute truth. This is my perception. Making it more subjective, making it more collaborative. I'm sharing this because I care about you and I want you to get better, not because I'm like a sadist. There's no incentive for me to just go ham on you here. This is all about how can you improve and then
2: improve our team especially since the anonymous not necessarily anonymous Mm -hmm. the private interactions. do you guys have ways to measure improvements of using your product versus without your product right it's not money that you're saying oh we lifted your sales by this much it's like a lift on productivity which is difficult to manage so do you guys have key metrics or something that you can measure and show to companies like hey your people are more productive now
1: yeah, I mean it's a very soft space, I would say. Traditionally we're saying that companies are already investing in HR tech products and some of those core pillars that we're tacking onto are culture, performance and learning. So we kind of span these three product types. What we're saying our core value prop is is that people who feel like they are improving are more likely to stick around. Job churn is real and hiring and firing people is very expensive. A recent estimate was that the cost to hire and fire someone is twice their yearly salary. Companies are very interested in reducing churn and improving retention. I think until we launch at more companies and collaborate closely with them, we're not going to have any hard quantifiable retention stats. What we are going with in the meantime is kind of an engagement dashboard obviously we want to keep the feedback private still but to the managers and the c-suite we want to say hey we like sparked a hundred conversations last month after your all hands meeting yesterday things blew up right and there was a lot of feedback being shared they can draw their conclusion there about how valuable that is when you're giving the feedback there's an impression and star eyes to, to frowny face To me, really, that rating is not that important. It's really the tone of the feedback. And I don't really feel like a person's goal should be only star eyes, right? Only five. That's my goal. Anything else is a failure on my part. It's really more about am I getting feedback that I feel like is insightful that I wouldn't have figured out on my own? And am I getting clear? next steps about how I can improve and so we're definitely trying to tap into quantifying that more regularly and and maybe releasing features about having the feedback receivers rate that feedback or note in some way that there was something actionable that they do want to work on and I think that would be a good demonstration of value
2: nice so you're helping with the facilitation of getting the right type of feedback Mm -hmm. on top of that yeah, and so what you're saying it's kind of similar to the you don't want to be the smartest person in the room or mm-hmm. where you are because you won't grow from that. You want to be you want to be able to improve every day. Every right. time you do something a little off, you want someone
0: to be there to tell you, hey,
2: here's a little actionable feedback for you to make it better.
1: Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm.
0: great. Yeah, I think there's a, another interesting Part of your question, which is like, how do you quantify the performance impact of the firm through giving this feedback? And I think that's a holy grail of HR tech and nobody has an answer to it. And so we focus primarily on what we think we can measure, which is engagement and retention. It's not that we're not thinking about this performance component, but Mm -hmm. quantifying the output of a knowledge worker with the exception of maybe sales is really, really difficult. And so... It's hand-wavy. Yeah, we're working through this as a team, but we don't have an answer yet.
2: Yeah, seems like no one really does yet. Yeah. So, yeah, the holy grail, if you guys can find exactly. it. <laughs>
0: it'd
1: be great. Just to talk shop, I mean, that's probably one of the big reasons why we want to try a freemium approach. It's because we want people to try out, grow, use it, and then decide for themselves, do I feel... The team culture has improved. I feel like our communication has improved. Do I feel like I'm getting useful feedback. And then start looking into some of our like more premium features. But I I do think this is a soft space, and it's very hard to go up to a large company and just be like, you're going to get a 200% ROI next (laughs) week, right?
2: Right, Mm -hmm. It's kind of how they use it, too. You need to make sure that they have the tools to, like you're saying, the manager needs to be like, okay, like everyone give a piece of feedback or some sort of campaigns maybe that they can go into as opposed to like, I don't know what this is. Like,
0: I'm just going to ignore it
2: to do my work.
0: You have a really good point about this manager component. And so while we have certainly seen bottoms-up adoption of Grow, so an employee, you know, installs it from the app store and uses it with their team, At the end of the day, what we've learned, what I've learned as part of my MBA and what we've seen in industry is that a lot of culture is set at the top. And so you have these executives and managers who are role models for an organization. And if an executive is showing themselves as open and vulnerable, there's a high likelihood that that sort of behavior will be mimicked throughout the organization. Mm -hmm. And so we definitely want to help executives and managers learn how to do that. And so part of what we have on our platform, Richard mentioned it earlier, is these little like hints throughout to teach people, how do I do this effectively? And I think on a longer-term roadmap, it's an important part of our product to build this educational component in.
2: Definitely a lead-by-example sort of model there. Yeah. So I'm curious about, as a tech podcast, we're at a tech school right now, what type of cutting-edge technologies are you guys thinking of bringing in or bringing in because I see maybe federated learning as a cool thing you guys can bring in because each organization is different but you want to get that data back to run like make models learn better what type of th- stuff are you guys thinking about
1: yeah I mean there's a huge amount of potential once we have all that data I think off the cuff the most exciting thing for me is kind of doing a meta-analysis of who at an organization is giving the most helpful feedback. A lot of the times it's not the loudest person, right? Uh, And especially maybe on a platform like Grow, where it is, you know, over Slack, you might have some people who are really insightful, providing high quality feedback and not being recognized, right? And so how can we as a platform encourage that kind of behavior and reward it? And I think Ryan hinted at it earlier with this whole, you know, maybe here's some internal company resources, but also, hey, like, Bill is the most influential person at helping people improve their public speaking. He's given, I don't know, 40 pieces, and everybody's found all of his feedback to be super insightful. Go talk to Bill. Right. And I think those are the really kind of people analytics, network analysis, doing some NLP to assess feedback quality, gauging how people are reacting to it, what kind of messages they're sending back. I think that's really exciting to get some kind of quality score there.
0: Yeah, I think similarly going on the... Organizational network analysis. Bent. The other sorts of insights we can surface is like, so here's an influencer, which is what Richard's talking about. Here's a connector who's connecting teams. Mm-hmm. Here's a mentor, and then there's also the flip side of like, oh, here's somebody who isn't engaged. Here's somebody who you should maybe reach out to to support them because they haven't been getting as much feedback as the baseline or something like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or they're asking all the time, and nobody's and, giving them answers, right? right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Right. that's funny yeah it kind of reminds me of myers-briggs where if people aren't yeah. familiar they fill out a personality thing it says if they're introvert extrovert mm-hmm. if there there's four different things that they measure on so i get 16 different combinations or something yep. like that and so that there's a little wishy-washy i think a lot of people do do myers-briggs and there might be something behind I'm
0: it
1: an ENTJ. <laughs> i'm
2: in <an> tj <ENTJ. laughs>
0: cool cool awesome
2: you know yours
1: definitely i <laughs> INFP something okay, yeah, nice. I don't remember
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like so then that goes into like how people should work together and, and getting into that people work differently which you guys kind of go into like people get feedback differently and work together differently but what you guys are doing is kind of this actionable thing you're trying to give metrics within your guys ecosystem what people do well and what they could do better on give feedback on those different aspects you're saying influencer people who receive and want feedback lifelong learners sort of mm-hmm. deal Ooh, oh, yeah yeah i yeah. like that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah lifelong learners is great that's i love those ones but yeah, you're given these sort of classifications of how people are, not just people fill out a survey, which is like, you don't know if that's accurate even, because people aren't necessarily really good at self-reflection. I remember when I was learning to drive, I took a class, and how good are you at driving like on, on <laughs> average, and people are like 8 Better to 10. than average. And how, how good do you think your friends are, like 4, right? Oh, Everyone yeah. thinks they're better than average, or especially computer science, imposter syndrome, where sure. they think they're worse than average. So it's not always the best self-reflection, it's good to be self-aware, I think that's a very important important
1: skill to I mean, have the, the funniest fun. thing about feedback is everybody is i don't know why people overreact and take my feedback poorly but <laughs> the feedback they give me is so low quality <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Same <laughs> so idea. very yeah. double
2: standard yeah, for yeah. sure. yeah and so you guys can go into that help people improve on that feedback and bring self-awareness into it really hard to see like where you lie on a mm-hmm. scale or on average but it's another metric, another data point to give people like what type of personality they are in this sort of exact work setting, which is super helpful for product growth, personal growth, and then how they can improve and get better on that scale.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think there are... Maybe two other interesting places of technology in in Mm -hmm. the product. One is around nudging. So, we talked about some of the behavioral economic theories behind nudging, but then there's an entire measurement component of, well, what's actually working there and what's not, and what sorts of nudges are effective, and which ones are effective but lead to attrition that annoy people, (laughs) which ones are ineffective and annoying, you know, and so how do we figure that sort of thing out? I think that's an interesting piece of technology. And if we can feed that signal back into the system to do more nudges that work and less that don't. I think that's an interesting area to explore. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is we talked briefly earlier about resource recommendations. So providing something that's actionable for people to go do. And, you know, I mentioned, okay, so here's the most popular resource on your team and your company and in the world. It's collaborative filtering. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think there's a pretty cool opportunity there because we, at the moment, have one chance. So you receive a piece of feedback and here's a resource that's related to it. And so what's the most probabilistic resource that will be helpful for you? And I think there's an interesting technical problem there
2: a lot of people especially startups and probably the people you're focusing on technical companies for a lot of the time if they're using slack mm-hmm. is this kind of company culture behind it of what do we do in this situation like some companies have documentation of how we'd like to act or what a good piece of code looks like mm-hmm. so it's really influencing their own culture onto people if they want to use their own resources but then also a global scale of stuff of what works well in general What's really interesting about Slack, what's different is it's channel-based. So you have the all-team channel, you have the engineer channel, the sales channel, the marketing channel, the grouping of those right. so you're across different workspaces yeah <laughs> and so maybe even within an organization the right resource or material goes to different spots so the integration of that's super interesting i'm getting that piece of information in the flow of work so they don't have to go like exactly to the wiki and like search for it. and some of those things are confusing <laughs> some of those tools i know this is here but i don't know where to find it even if you could just spin that up faster for them that helps productivity Yeah. so how do you guys feel about anonymous feedback versus i know it's Richard or Ryan giving me feedback. How do you feel about anonymous? Because I feel that people are probably more likely to give anonymous feedback, but it's not as valuable because you can't build on it. You can't have the conversation unless someone maybe flags it as "Yes, I want to talk more about this." Please talk to me. So,
1: what are you guys' thoughts on that? Probably think about it every day. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's a time and place for it. I mean, just out the door, the main concern and worry is bullying in the workplace when you make something anonymous. I mean, yeah, it's in Slack. You might have some admin controls. People can say really hurtful, mean things, and we don't really want our platform to be like that. You can moderate content, but there's all that infrastructure around that that we don't really want to get into. People ask for it all the time, and I think there's a reason. There's a truth to that, which is that people will be more brutally honest if it is anonymous. One of the things we've been thinking about is giving the requester the option to make it a, a choice. Hey, I'm asking for feedback about this thing, and I'm open to that feedback being anonymous rather than a giver going on and being like, Oh, I have some really mean thing to say and I'm just gonna deliver this anonymously.
0: Maybe like giving the receiver some more control over that aspect we get asked this question a lot, which is why you're thinking about it every day. I'm thinking about it every day too. Another mindset shift is Richard and I have this value system of, well, if we know who's telling us, we can go talk to them and we feel comfortable enough to share feedback so that we can build deeper relationships. But just because that's our value system doesn't necessarily mean that we should impose that on others. And so for companies who highly value anonymous feedback, we don't, necessarily want to change their culture. We want to help them build and maintain whatever culture they want. In that sort of situation, if it is requested of us, we can customize Grow to meet their needs. And again, just because our value system is one thing doesn't necessarily mean that the product has to impose that.
1: I mean, you can definitely see its value in a place with more strict power dynamics where you could get in trouble. Power dynamics doesn't necessarily mean that there's a lot of hierarchy, but maybe someone at the same level just has a close relationship with a founder and so you really don't feel comfortable putting your name on something especially i think if you're going up the chain toward management or executive Mm -hmm. level
2: that you're probably more nervous about giving feedback but that's probably where it's almost most valuable, right? You're scared kind of to tell management that because you don't want negative repercussions. I saw something today about don't kill the messenger. There's a study done that even if you are the messenger giving bad news, people are going to look badly at you even if you're just the messenger on it.
0: Right. Yeah, and I think the solution Richard was talking about of allowing the feedback requester to determine am I open for anonymous feedback is one example of a safeguard or a guardrail around ensuring that bullying doesn't happen. I'm sure there are other things too that we can work with people to be creative about this. You mentioned, hey, I really would like to talk about this as another like handshake. We don't have a great solution that solves this problem, but I think there are ways that we can help.
2: Interesting. Yeah, I'm curious also about the security behind it, because in Slack, I think admins can read everything, even private chat conversations. Oh, so I do want it to be anonymous, but if you look high enough, up, someone
0: can see what's going on in that. This is a, an interesting point for us. So as of right now, we are built into Slack Mm -hmm. and in the flow of work is really important for us. However, to your point, if you are on a certain tier of paying for Slack, you can export all of your data and see into direct messages. And there's Mm -hmm. this whole uproar in the media about your private messages aren't actually private. We can't contest that. As of right now, if you were to share feedback on Grow within a company that uses the paid tier of Slack, they could export it and go look for you and your conversation with Grow and they could see what's going on. We can't do anything about that now. In the future, An option for us there is to have the ability for someone to specifically mark, hey, this is super confidential. I I definitely want to hide this from everybody except for the recipient. And then we'll add a button, read now or whatever, and they go into our website where we can keep it confidential because then we're out of the confines of Slack. Because as of right now, it's just a message from Grow in Slack. And So if you can see that message, if you're the admin, you can see the feedback. But if we just have the message say, go read this somewhere else, then we're still in control of it. It hasn't been a concern yet, actually. None of our customers and clients have asked us about this, but it is a, a corner case that's certainly on our mind.
1: Yeah, you're typing into Slack on your company laptop in a company <laughs> Slack workspace. <laughs> you should be smart about what you're saying. I think more about how we're positioning it is we're not making it easy for the management to have access to that. We're not upfront just being here is all the feedback they would have to go through that admin level of digging to get to that feedback. Yeah, it
2: kind of puts you guys in a good spot, too, holding the data. We're saying about resources and making sure that goes to the right spot, getting your kind of wedge and value in there. Yeah. Your security is super important. I feel like every single day, data security and data privacy is getting more and more important, more mm-hmm. looked at. Especially with Slack, I didn't realize for the longest time that admins could look at private messages. They don't tell you that. Right. <laughs> and I just have to hear it. Right.
0: It's through the news. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, any good resources? We talked a lot about personal growth and feedback. Any cool books or articles? that? guys would recommend for people looking to get more into feedback?
0: I mean, there are a couple of books that come to mind. I previously worked at a firm called Bridgewater Associates, and the founder wrote a book called Principles. It's not purely about feedback, but it's about a way to think about the world and carry yourself through the world. I think there's a lot of really useful and valuable insights in that book. There's another one called Radical Candor, which is more specifically about the merits of giving people feedback that's honest while showing that you care about them. There's a book that I quite like. It's called The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership, and it's by the Conscious Leadership Group. They have a bunch of really cool videos online, too, And they're not necessarily directly about feedback, but more about interpersonal relationships and team dynamics. And I think marrying those concepts from like principles in the conscious leadership group with things more specific to feedback, like radical candor, can help you be really great in this space.
1: I think a huge part of feedback is empathy.
0: One aspect is you deliver the
1: feedback. And there's another aspect of can you inspire change? And so it's not that hard to dump the information out, but it's much harder to present information in a way that people are open to it, take it and run with it. Just around the space of empathy, I think anything by Brene Brown is amazing. Diving into what is vulnerability, what is shame and how do you have conversations in this space? I think another book that I thought was really interesting in this space is Thanks for the Feedback. By uh, Douglas Stone, their central thesis is that a lot of management training is about teaching managers how to give better, higher quality feedback, but maybe that's not the right focus and maybe we should be focusing on helping people receive feedback better. Doubling down on that statement I made earlier, it's like, yeah, even if it's wrong, it's still a useful data point. And you should be grateful that they're sharing that and not just keeping that inside of them. And it kind of breaks down why we get triggered by feedback. As an engineer, I appreciate the categorization like, oh, yeah, well, this is triggering me because it's factually wrong or this is triggering me because it's attacking my core identity and my (laughs) self-worth. Right. And triggering imposter syndrome and stuff like that. So I thought that book was really interesting.
2: Amazing. Yeah. Like that. The answer to that question wasn't just feedback books, but mm-hmm. you like go into empathy or these different aspects of what makes good feedback. Take it from a higher level and combine all these things together to really make the product that you guys are building more effective and, and mm-hmm. get to the core of it and instead of just, all right, we feedback, we just do feedback. What makes good feedback? Taking it a step out is, is really great. So, thank you guys for sharing that. Sure. Where can we find Grow?
0: Yeah, so right now, if you go to our website, getgrow.io, you can add Grow to Slack for free. And if you use the code STYLE, we'll give you 10% off for your first three months of our premium offering, GrowPro, which allows you to customize Grow to meet your needs, export your data, see engagement reports that Richard was talking about earlier. And if you don't use Slack, don't worry. In the next few months, we're going to be expanding to Microsoft Teams and the other communication platforms that I talked about at the beginning of this podcast.
2: Well, thanks so much for coming on, guys. This is a great conversation about what makes good feedback. How do you really integrate into a company, use cutting edge technologies and platforms to really make companies better and get personal growth and get people on a better state? So, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it.
0: Thanks for having us. Thanks for it.
1: I don't even remember how to be back. Let's see.
0: Hey, there you go. Richard and Ryan, the co founders of Grow, we grow in the flow. If you want that customization you gotta upgrade it's called Grow Pro. <laughs> I don't know.